Well, we've been in a series called Transformed into His Image, and uh, we're going to continue on that tonight. If you missed the other ones, there's a number of places you can listen to those or watch those um, available, so you can uh, go back and listen to those, but you know, this will stand on its own as well tonight. Uh, 2 Corinthians 3, verse 17, one of the scriptures that we've read as kind of a launching pad. It says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. In the Amplified, it says, And we all, with unveiled face, continually seeing as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are progressively being transformed into His image, from one degree of glory to even more glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. In the message, it says, So we are transfigured much like the Messiah, our lives gradually becoming brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives and we, became, and we become like Him. That's a good image. Just keep getting brighter, keep getting more full, keep getting more like the Christ, like our Savior. That's so much better then looking good when you're in what we would call our prime and then just going downhill, you know, life just falls apart as you get older. We don't, we don't want that. Doesn't mean we're going to look the same when we're 70 as when we're 20, but we can look good. And our life, more importantly, can be good. Doesn't matter if you look good, if everything else is a wreck, right? You'd rather be good than look good. Not everybody agrees with that. Somebody says, I want to look good no matter what. No. No, you know, you see some people not knocking anybody, uh, not throwing any stones. Everybody's walking uh, their journey out, but you see some people, uh, you know, celebrities or whatever, you know, they look like they had everything, and you look at a picture of them on the internet now, and I mean, they, it's like, what? That's the same person, and they, they, their, their life just has been a shambles, and that's not, that's not the way of God. You, we gain gain momentum as we live with Him. We're more and more like Him, just uh, doing His will. The life of uh, a Christian and one that is godly and doing His uh, will just leads to a brighter and brighter life. So let's look at 2 Corinthians 5.17. We looked at this last week. We're just going to go over uh, some of these same scriptures as we uh, get into what we have for tonight. Uh, it says, "'Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation.'" Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. So if anyone is in Christ, if you're born again, if you're saved, then you are a new creation. So a new creation where? Well, your body isn't a new creation. Your mind isn't new. No, it's the inside uh, man. It's the spirit that's new. In, in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, it says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body uh, be preserved blameless. So we are a spirit, we have a soul, we live in a body. Pretty clear what the body is, we know what that is. But our, our spirit is the real us. The soul is your mind, will, and emotions. You're going to still have your soul when you, you know, leave this body, but you, you know, your body goes into the ground, but you still exist. The real you is a spirit. That's the part uh, that is recreated. When we're born again, 
our spirit is recreated. That's the new part of this. And so we need to know that because not everything changed. When we get born again, which means when we call on the Lord Jesus, the Bible says in, in Romans that if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and confess with your mouth that he is Lord, you will be saved. That's how you become born again. That's how you become saved. Something changes on the inside. That's your spirit. But on the outside, nothing changed. Your mind is still the same. Your body's still the same. So we have to do something with those parts. We're talking about being transformed into his image. Well, the inside man is changed. Now we can grow spiritually. That man is being renewed and we can feed our man or, or our uh, spirit, spiritual food. That's the word of God and it can become stronger. But on the outside, we need to do something with our body. We need to do something with our mind. Uh, Romans 12 verse 1 we read this last week. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Now, notice how it says that. That you, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. That you present your bodies. You know, it'd be like, you bring your car. Well, the car's not you. And say, you bring you, well, of course, your body is you in a sense, it, but it's really the vehicle that you get around in on this earth. It's not you, because when you die, we call it die. When, when you die, then it, what we're really talking about is your spirit leaves your body, but you're very much alive. In fact, you never feel more alive than when you leave this body. The body, it's just like a hand in a glove, the spirit inside the body. If you put your hand in a glove, you can move the glove around, but the glove is, it's not alive. You take your hand out of that glove, the glove lays limp. But your hand's still alive. Your hand's still there. That's your spirit. See, we thought, you know, your body is just being animated and moved by, by the life of uh, your spirit on the inside. And when that life's gone, your spirit or your, your body's we call it dead, but really it's just okay. It's, it's like, you know, your car, aside from any computer-controlled anything, your car doesn't move around when you're not in it driving it, okay, you know, traditionally. I mean, if it's computer-controlled, you can, you can drive it without anybody in it, of course. You know, I had radio-controlled cars when I was growing up. I mean, Andrew got one not long ago. I drove that too. But we, you know, little car, you could, you could drive it. You know, you don't have to have a physical driver in there. You're controlling it. Well, your body, though, when it doesn't have the spirit, it's just laying there. We're like, oh, that person's, you know, people say, well, that person's not with us anymore. Well, that doesn't mean they're gone, like from the universe. They've just relocated. Now, this is an important point. Where did they relocate to? They're somewhere. They're one of two places. They're in heaven or they're in hell. They're not floating around as a ghost. Those are not people. There are ghosts. They're, they're demons. They're evil spirits. Those are real. The Bible talks about them all the time. Jesus cast out demons. Jesus cast out evil spirits. They're real. They're not people. Okay, but when when we uh, when we leave our body, be, if you've called on the Lord Jesus, made Him your Lord and Savior, you're you're going right on to be with Him. 
If not, if you've rejected Jesus, well, you, get, you have the same fate as um, the devil. You know, I just um, saw somebody, you know, somebody posted, uh, one of my instructors posted on, on Facebook not too long ago, just a little blip, a little reel. Somebody put up, you may have seen the reel, and it's not original for this person, I'm sure, but they were just given the illustration, you know, that somebody said, why would, why would a good God send somebody to hell? And the answer is, God doesn't send anybody to hell. The thing is, we are already on our way to hell without Jesus. We deserve hell. So it's like this. If a boat is sinking, if you're on the boat, you're sinking. So you're already sinking. Now, if somebody offers you a lifeboat, if you take the lifeboat, then you get off the sinking ship and you get to live. If you reject the lifeboat, you're going to sink like you were anyway. Jesus is the lifeboat. We're already headed to hell. If we accept Jesus, then we're saved. If we don't, we're going where we were going to go anyway. Your spirit is going. Why, why is it? Because we, that's what we deserve in and of ourselves. People say, well, I don't deserve I deserve something better. No, we don't. Not in of ourselves. We deserve death. We deserve hell. We deserve to die early, broke, uh, sick, and lonely. But because of Jesus, He came in, and because of His love, he, God sent Jesus to redeem us, to purchase us back, and we're all purchased back, but we need to accept it. God's not going to force that on us. So when our body leaves our spirit, or our spirit leaves our body, we're going somewhere, but our body... It's, it's not, it's, we say, well, they're dead. Well, no, they're very much alive. We're very much alive when we leave our bodies, but we're not in our body anymore. So Romans 12, 1 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. So while you have your body, while you're on this earth, you present it a living sacrifice. In other words, you're, you're, you're telling it what to do. A living sacrifice, that means you didn't kill it. Offer it as a burnt offering yet. While it's living, you're making it do what it needs to do to serve God. It says, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Verse 2, what I want to focus on tonight, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So be changed. We're talking about being transformed. We're talking about being transformed into the image, uh, to His image, to Christ's image. This is one aspect of it. We talked about different aspects, and of course, uh, you know, there's, there's different facets of it. But as far as, um, or one aspect of that is renewing our mind. You know, our spirit's made noon. We have to do something with our body. But we need to change how we think so that we can take advantage of what Jesus has done so that we can walk in God's will for our life. If we don't change the way we think, if we think the same, if you think the same, you're going to act the same. And if, you, if you're acting the same, you're gonna, if your thinking's wrong, your believing is going to be wrong. And if you're, your thinking doesn't change, your believing doesn't change, your acting is going to be the same. And we're, even though we're born again on the inside, we're not going to experience it. So that we, we're not going to be transformed 
uh, to what God really has for us. In Colossians 3, verse 9, it says, Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds. Talking about your old spiritual nature. And have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him uh, who created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all in all. Verse 10, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge, according to the image of him who created him. So you put on the new man. You do so. How do you put on the new man? You, you act according to what God says in his word, according to what God has done for us through Jesus. So we need to do something with our mind. You're not going to be able to do that unless you hear something and then put it into practice and, and act on it. Ephesians 4, verse 20. <clears throat> Ephesians 4, verse 20, it says, But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard Him and have been taught by Him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, the same thing, put off your old man, put off that old nature, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Be renewed. That you may put that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Verse 23, be renewed in the spirit of your mind and then put on the new man. How, so when you're renewing your mind, you're putting on the new man because you're changing your mind to think like you ought to think so that you can put on, take advantage of the new man. But it says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. So, you know, I have a, a, a background in, in software engineering. And, um, you know, I was doing that for many, many years. Uh, and so when I think about this, I think about something being reprogrammed. You know, you, renew, you have a program, you, you have a computer, and, you know, you can, you know, you may have to wipe the disk and, and install the operating system and just start over <laughs> and, you know, get all, it just, everything needs to just, you're, you're installing something new, so you get rid of the old and you just put everything new. You could do that bit by bit, changing parts of it so that you're reprogramming what it's going to do. Well, that's the same thing with our minds. Our minds are going to do what they're programmed to do, what we, what they have been programmed to do over time, and all of our minds are, are programmed to do something from the time we're little, from the time we're born, our minds are being programmed with something. You have all kinds of influences. You, even when you're in the, your mother's womb, you're already being influenced. And then, you know, our parents and our siblings and uh, school and hopefully, you know, church and the Word of God, hopefully, you know, God at home and, and all those things, but people have different experiences and work and, you know, people have experiences that maybe at school they had a bad experience that to this day they remember and if they, you know, if we think about it, well, that, that you get tight in the stomach because, you know, you, it, you will experience the same emotions and feelings when you, have, when you think of something, when you have a memory as you did when you were there, if you think, you know, your mind doesn't know the difference. Your mind is acting like it's happening. 
And so we, we've probably all had things that we'd rather forget that when you think about those things, you just cringe. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's like, oh, that wasn't a good moment. Oh, you know, and you can remember somebody saying something to you. Well, that could have had, that, that, that wasn't, wasn't flattering, that wasn't nice. Maybe they were, you know, straight out cruel. Well, that, that programs your mind. It creates, it can create ways of reacting and not create them, but, you know, you, you react a certain way. And, it, and when certain things happen like that, that, you know, you can start reacting that same way and it could, you know, introduce an insecurity into you. Well, does everybody think that way about me? You know, these things have beginnings in our lives. Things that, well, you know, why do we act a certain way? Well, somewhere that was programmed into us. So God, through Jesus, has purchased our redemption and has a life that, that He wants us to live for Him, but in living it for Him, uh, we are king's kids, and there's, he wants us to know who we are and to act accordingly. But the only way we're really going to experience that if, is if, if, we're, if that's all true, but we have these other things programmed into our mind, so a certain circumstance comes up, and it triggers a memory of something that happened, and so we react the same way. We're not going to experience what he wants us to experience. We're going to have to change our mind and act differently. So when something comes in, even though that same, um, same uh, circumstance is introduced to our mind, we can change our mind so it looks at it differently and reacts the way God would have us to react, which will change our life. It'll change the way we behave. Now, of course, this, these concepts are true no matter who you are with or without God. But God, cre this, there is a truth to all these things, and then there are approximations, and then there are distortions. Satan distorts everything. The world will bumble around and kind of get some truth. But the Word of God is the foundation for all this. God is the King. God, Jesus uh, is the name above every name. Jesus is the Savior, and if we believe on Him, we will be born again, and, he, and everything He has is ours, and the Bible tells us to change our minds so that we can act like He would have us to act. Now, just because the world can approximate that, and of course, thinking good is going to, thinking right is going to be better than thinking wrong, but you can, positive thinking will take you only so far. You can think positive all you want some circumstance, and you're still powerless to actually do anything about it. On the other hand, if you're reacting to God and what He, he has done, now you're thinking not just positively on your own, you're thinking in line with what the King has said, and all His power and resources are in line to help you. See, those are two different things. It's not just positive thinking, although that's better negative thinking, it is lining your thoughts up with what God has said. And so you're saying what he said. You're thinking the way he thinks, and there's a power. Number one, he'll enable you and help you to do it. And then he'll back it up and help things that he said to come to pass. See, that's a lot better than, well, I'm just going to think positive and I'm going to do. Okay, better than thinking negative, but you know, you're in the hospital and they've told you you're going to die. You can think positive. That, that can help your body to a, de to a degree, but at the end of the day, it can't eradicate the, the sickness. God's power can eradicate the sickness. 
He created your body. He has no, it, it, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't, um, it's, it's not a hard thing for him. doesn't try him in the least <laughs> to eradicate cancer. Just blink your eyes and it can change. He, he created the body. Um, there is a measure of healing power in everybody's body. That's why when you cut your, you know, scraped your knee when you were six, it's not still there because your body, it heals itself. Well, God created the body. When you have the power of God, it's just that times a thousand. It's just times 2,000. Boom, it can just, and it's, and it's done. There's no limit with the Lord. So if we'll think like He has said to think, then we can experience what He said in His Word. But it takes us doing something with our mind. It's our mind, and if we say, well, I just, I don't understand. I mean, this is the way, this is how I am. This is just how I think. That may have be how you were programmed. But we, now we can do something about it because God said we can do something about it. God won't tell us to do something that we can't do. He's not unjust. So if He said it, we say, as much as, you know, this has gone through my head, I don't even know how many times throughout my life, this is the way I've thought, but God's Word says this. God's Word says, you know, that, that He'll give me victory in every situation. So even though, I'm, I'm, you know, fear is coming against my mind, anxiety is trying to come against my mind, I am not going to think on failure. I'm going to believe what God said, and so I'm going to react differently when those feelings are coming, and I'm going to think again according to what the Word of God says, and now I'll act differently, and now I've enabled God to come on the scene and do something on my behalf. That's how we change. That's, that's a big way how we're going to change. John eight thirty one, <clears throat> Jesus said, says, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed Him, If you abide in My Word... You are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Well, the truth itself isn't going to just make you free unless you do something with it. The truth, if we know the truth, if you really know the truth, then you're going to act on it. If we just have it up here, we really don't know it. You know, truly know, I know what we do. It's not what we have understood or heard. That's, that's you know, you say, well, I knew that. Yeah, but you just, you didn't do it. So you didn't know it well enough. I didn't know it well enough. I thought I knew. You ever had it happen where, you know, some, you, you come to the point where you're, you know, it's been years and years. You heard something years ago, years ago and now you really, you, you feel like, oh, <laughs> now, I, now I, I, I believe I actually know that. But you heard it 25 years ago and now you thought you kind of knew it and now you're realizing, oh, that's what that means and you're actually at the place where you're doing it. Well, now you know it. Before you just thought you knew it. We've all had experiences like that. The quicker that we can realize that, though, and 
You know, there's a whole, there's a big difference. There's a big difference in intellectual knowledge and knowing about something than actually doing it. We know that in so many areas. Well, the same thing is with the Word of God. We, we can hear it and say, yeah, I know that. But then, you know, something in the Word of God, something that Jesus has bought and paid for us, but then experiences are coming in the world, and we're acting the same way as we always have. Well, we don't know it. It's not changing our life, whether it's at school, whether it's at work, whether it's a relationship. If we kind of say, yeah, I know this, but, and we just keep thinking the same, then we're going to get the same thing over and over, and we're not changing anything. And the problem is, we got to actually change the way we're seeing it so that we act differently, which is reprogramming our mind, renewing our mind. Now that leads to transformation. In reality, that's how we'll be changed. Even though Jesus already bought and paid for us before, before or for it before any of us were born, and it's already available to all of us, it can be doing us no good. And in reality, we keep tripping over the same thing, the same things in, in, in certain areas. And if we're having an issue in any area, this is going to be part of it, of, of how to get past it. We have to change how we're thinking. And if we're in just the thought, looking at something going, gosh, I just can't get past this, we've already exposed the fact that we're thinking wrong. We're not thinking like God thinks. Because if He said so-and-so, and He's told us what we have, and we're like, I just don't know why we're saying what we see is more important and determining what we believe than what we actually, what He said. And that's part of the problem. See, our mind is not, uh, is not grasping a hold of His Word being truth versus what we see. What we see and feel still has a higher place in our mind, in our thinking, than the Word, which will cause us to act a certain way over and over. But the Bible said the truth is going to make us free. The truth is going to make us free if we let that truth dominate us. So this knowing and be it doing something with our mind and seeing the truth is a gateway to experiencing all that God has. If we can see it, not just hear it, but see and understand what we have to change in our thinking and understand what God has truly done, that opens up everything that Jesus has done for us. That's why that is so important for us to see. Look at Ephesians 1.15. We're going to look at a pair of scriptures to this effect. If, if, if you, uh, for yourself or for somebody... Um, if, if you have somebody that you know, a loved one, that you just, they, 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 they may be a Christian, but they don't see some, this is specifically for Christians, uh, you pray different for non-Christians than you would for a Christian, but for a Christian that has been born again, that has been made new, that then they are, they, they have rights to what all Jesus has done. If you, if you have a loved one, or yourself that you're like, I, they just don't see it in this area. They, they're not experiencing victory in this area. They're not experiencing what I know is God's will for them. This is how you pray for them. 
Because what they need to know is what God has. They need to see what God has already done for them so then they can take advantage of it. You, if God's, God's not going to dump it on them. If they're Christian, you can pray, you can pray for them just that you know, God will help them, but that's only going to go so far. God is so, is so merciful and good. He's going to do everything He can for us, but at the end of the day, it comes down to us taking advantage of what He has already given to us. So if we can see it, now we can take advantage of it, whether it's somebody else or us. And see, that's why we can pray this for ourselves. We can pray it for our loved ones. You know, like we said, we pray these scriptures for you as a church. We pray this for our loved ones, because this, if we come up in these things and see more, then we can change, then it's changing our mind. Now we can act on what Jesus has done for us. Ephesians 1 verse 15 says, therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith, in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. So spirit of wisdom, revelation in the knowledge of Him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know some things. So see your eye, the, your understanding coming up. What is that? It's your mind. That you may know. Know what? That you may know what is the hope of His calling. What are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints? What, what has already been purchased for us? What is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe? That you would understand the power that's available. What is the exceeding greatness of the power toward us who believe according to the working of His mighty power, which He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places? Just describing how the great power, that same power that raised Jesus from the dead, it's saying that you, we would know that that's available, available far above all principality and power and might and dominion in every name that is named not only in this age, and, but also in that which is to come. So it's... The, Paul is saying, I'm praying that you would know these things, that you would have knowledge of these things. If we have knowledge of what is our inheritance, of what is the hope of His calling, of what the greatness of His power toward us, now that will change how we think about a situation. We won't go, how am I going to make this? How am I going to make it through here? We'd say, I am in the kingdom of God. I have an inheritance. His power's towards me, and this is nothing before God. And so we look at it differently. We'll say, well, there's a solution. And so I'm just going to thank God. I'm not going to lose my joy. I'm certainly not going to get depressed. I'm going to stay in the right place with God, and I'm going to enable God to work on my behalf then. How did it start? I started to understand some things. How we look at a situation is far more important than the situation. It's not the situation that's happening to us. It's how we're reacting to it. Two people can look at the same situation and that one get depressed and the other one sit and go right over it and have victory. It's how we look at it. And if we believe some things, start to know some things, then we know that's available. So now we can have uh, what God would would want for us and has provided for us in a situation, but it starts with knowing, knowing something about Him and what He's done, and then acting on it in our mind, changing the way we think so we can act on it. 
But if we let the same program run over and over and don't let that change our thinking, we're going to get the same results, even though all of what God has done is available. Colossians 1.9 says something similar. It says, For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. For what? To ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you would be uh, filled with the knowledge of His will in all uh, wisdom and spiritual understanding. Well, what's His will? It's His Word. It's everything He's done, His will for us, what His will and what He's done in Jesus, His will for our life, His will, plan, and purpose for us. So if we're filled with that, then we will uh, experience something different. We, if we're filled with the knowledge of His will, now we look at life differently and it opens the door for us to experience what He has for us. Finally, in Philippians 4, verse 8, let's look at this. Uh, you may have seen this verse before, but look at it in this, in light of what we're talking about here. Philippians 4, verse 8, it says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble, whatsoever things are just, what, whatsoever or whatever things are pure, flipped into the King James there, what, whatever, not whatsoever, Whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate or think on these things. Everything we just described there is God's Word. Look at it in the NLT. It says, Now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true. What is true? It's what the Word of God said and honorable, and right, and pure, and lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Well, he's telling us what to think on. He's telling us how to uh, use our minds to think on. Everything he just described is the Word of God. God's Word is true. See, Satan will bring you thoughts that are half true. Well, this is this is, you know, this is the circumstances, what the doctor said. This is what, you know, your lawyer said, etc. Yeah, they may have said that, but there's more than that to the story. What is our inheritance and the power that is toward us to do, overcome anything that we're dealing with? See, we need to think on that because if you just think on the one part, number one, that's not true in and of itself. And honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. You know, the King, New King James said of a good report. You, you know, something might be true, but it's not a good report. What God has for you is a good report. You know, I read something just recently. Um, you know, th- this person said, um, you know, they would always they'd think on the worst thing. They'd have anxiety on the worst case. And somebody told him, if you're going to spend all that time thinking about the worst case, you ought to at least give equal time to the best case. And then you ought to give equal time to the most likely case. And this will help you. That's pretty good. Why spend all your time in the thing that is actually probably, you know, the worst possible case when that's probably not going to happen anyway? If you're going to do that, think about the best thing that could happen. Number one, cut out the first thing. Don't think about that. (laughs) 
But at the very least, if you're just thinking logically, think about the best thing and then think about, you know what, probably this thing, the the most likely situation in this situation is this is what's going to happen. But if we'll line up, the point is we don't even think logically when we're dealing with some of these thoughts. If we'll eradicate all the thoughts that are half-baked and not of a good report and just think about the things that are a good report, just think, no, it's coming out well. No, I see this coming out the way God said. And if there's other thoughts that try to come, no, I'm not, I'm not thinking about that. It's not going to help you to think about it anyway. We're not saying stick your head in the stand. If something happens, you're going to deal with it in light of God's Word, but meditating on it beforehand when something may not happen is just stealing your life today. And it's just going to, your thoughts are just going to be just so muddy because we're not doing what it says here. If we'll reprogram our mind to just look at everything according to what God said, everything that's true and everything it said here, honorable, right, uh, pure, lovely, admirable, if it doesn't pass these tests, then you don't think on it. Everything that are, that's excellent and worthy of praise, if we'll just say, is it excellent? Is it worthy of praise? Is it honorable? Is it true? Is it good? Well, then I'm not thinking about it. See, that's, starting, that's a filter. That's starting to change our minds. That's starting to change the way we perceive things. That's starting to change our behavior. So we, to the degree we do that, no matter how long we've been doing it, the more we close down that filter, so it's just more and more the way God thinks, the closer we are to walking the way God would have us to walk on this earth while we're here, the more full we experience His life. And we just on our way, just keep being transformed. Thank the Lord.